Welcome to People's Church radio program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. beautiful morning by the Sea of Galilee when Jesus took a little walk. Everywhere Jesus was going, he always had things to accomplish. He was here in purpose. Jesus responded to the call to the cross. On this one particular morning, he's walking by the Sea of Galilee and the sun is sparkling off the water as you have observed in many different times in your life. By the way, isn't this just an amazing, colorful show we're getting right now around this country? It just, it just blows me away, the beauty that is around us. And, you know, you just absorb that and driving in today and the colors and just, just phenomenal. Anyway, in this case, Jesus is walking along that shore and he comes across some fishermen that are cleaning their nets because they had just finished the night's fishing. Their catch would be going to marketplace and they were cleaning their nets. And so in that setting, Jesus stops and he gives them a call. It's beautiful. You know, this kind of fishing where they had fish all night, this is the way it's done actually by pros most over the world. In, in Mexico, where Linda and I have the opportunity to stay at my brother's place there for a little bit, uh, they're right on the beach, six floors up, and there's this half-moon bay of, you know, sand and beach and out here islands. And there's been many times that I'll just sit out there at night after it's kind of all quieted down. And I'll look and there's these sparkling lights out on the water. Usually a bunch of them, quite far out. All the local fishermen are out fishing. And they're using nets. And they're netting the next day's catch. It's going to go to market. and It's a pretty nice way to live, actually, isn't it? It's kind of like the Canadian goes down there and high-powered, life full of stress and tension and goes down there for the two-week break and try to rejuvenate the soul. And he's talking to the fishermen at the, along the shore and he, he's saying, like, you're pretty good at what you do. Why don't you just get a fleet? I mean, why don't you at least add one more boat? Why don't you just increase this and... The Mexican just listens for a little while. This guy's questioning his business prowess and what he should be doing and how he should be living. And all of a sudden, the Mexican just says, Senor, here's how my life works. I go fishing at night. I come home the next morning. I sell my, my fish to the marketplace. I clean my nets. I go home to my wife. We have special moments together. And then I take the afternoon siesta. And then I get up and I eat a really fine dinner with all of my family. And then I go fishing again at night. Sounds like a pretty good life. It is a pretty good life. Jesus comes along. 
He's about to interrupt generations of practice. For generations, this has happened on the Sea of Galilee. So Peter, James, and John are cleaning their nets. And Jesus just pauses, stops, and says, lay down your nets. Come follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. We're going to be talking, what on earth am I here for? And one of the ways of understanding is to understand a word that we're going to work a little bit today, and it's the word call. The fact is, it's a very powerful word. Word Jesus stopped and changed the trajectory, not just of those three men's lives or of any of the other 12 that he called. But he changed the directions of a world through those men's lives. God's calls are the most powerful part of our life. Our problem is that we don't quite understand that we ourselves live with call as believers. Romans 8.28 says we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love him. But we usually end the verse there. It's tragic. Because that's not how it's finished. We know that in all things God's work for the goods of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Call and purpose are one and the same. Called is a word that is used about a hundred times in the New Testament. Purpose is used about 10, but they mean the same thing. What if God called you? I don't know about you, sometimes the telephone to me is just an interruption. And it's like, oh, oh, what's invading my time right now? Because sometimes the calls I get are not of the happy variety. But the fact is, is that God has called you. In fact, he already has. You've always been called. Romans 8.30 says, those that God predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. The word in Greek is the word kaleo for call. Kaleo means God is calling you. It's, it's about a hundred times used in the New Testament. Most of the time it's referring to your assignments, your purpose, your mission. The reason God created you, it, it is called your calling. The Latin word is another word you've heard for calling, and it's the word vocation. Vocation comes from the Latin word voce or vocare. It means to speak it means to call we get the word voice from this we get the word vocal vocalize comes from the word vocation it's your calling so your vocation and your calling are the same thing here's the problem today we took the word vocation and it's been reduced and so minimized to just mean my career or my job your calling is not your career or your job you're going to go through a lot of jobs more than likely, you'll have more jobs than you care to have. But your vocation is your calling in life, and that means a one-time calling. The Bible itself is a story of God calling people. 
The whole Bible is about God calling Noah, God calling Abraham, Abraham responding, God calling Moses, and Moses responding, God calling Nehemiah, who was a builder, and God calling Isaiah, and Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and Daniel, and Hosea, and Esther, and David, and Solomon, and Peter, Paul, and Mary. If you snickered at that one, you're old. It's an old group. God has a call on every person's life. See, we think way too much in the forms of accident in life. That somehow, all of existence is just some accident. It's not the way it is. Ephesians 1, and this is my prayer for this next six weeks, is that my prayer is that light will flood your hearts and that you will understand the hope that was given to you when God called you. Then you will discover the glorious blessings that will be yours together with all God's people. He's saying that your calling is what unleashes the amazing blessings of God. You'll learn how God has blessed your life. You cannot learn about being called by God without learning about how blessed you really are. So we're going to today take eight things that you need to know about your calling in life because you need to start really exploring this. That first videos that we watched today is kind of tragic, really, um, because such an important subject has been put to the sidelines and it's become just simply about finding ways to feel good. You need to know about your calling. There's many more than what we're going to cover today, but let's start and let's just lay down a bit of a foundation for calling. First off, your calling is a gift from God. See, this is where often we go wrong. We think that our calling sometimes is because we might be so good at what we're doing. We might be so gifted and so skilled. And so, you know, of course God would have a call for me because I'm such a nice guy and I have so many gifts and talents. Galatians 1 says this, God by his grace through Christ has called you to become his people. So how does God call? Grace by grace by grace through Christ. When you become a Christian, you have this call in your heart. It is by grace you received it. What is grace? It's undeserved kindness. It's an undeserved favor that God blesses you, puts his favor upon you, even when the math doesn't add up to deserve it, which is all of the time. And the moment you start thinking that you deserve all the great things God put in your life is the moment that you are in true arrogance. Because none of it is yours except by the wonderful grace that God has gifted you with. It's undeserved kindness. 2 Timothy 1.9 says he has saved us and called us. Notice those two things ride the same horse. They're together. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. That's the called life. His purpose. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. So it's even his purpose, given by his grace, put to us so that our lives are not accidental and meaningless, but our lives are birthed in purpose. In fact, you cannot be saved and not called. So if you've received Christ in your life, you're a Christian, you have been called. 
You can't exclude yourself from that for your own comfort or your own pursuit. It is not because you are gifted or because you're so talented or so wonderful. It is out of the sovereignty of God expressed to you by the grace of God. The second thing that we have to get right about calling to understand it deeper is that I am called for God's purpose. Put another way, God did not make you for you. It's never been that way. When people make it about them, that's that arrogance. Again, that somehow I am on a different rung of the ladder in amazingness so that, you know, uh, God, obviously, I can, he can, I, it's the idea of his privilege to use me. No, this calling is not even your own. It is, it is God that gave you this. I am called for his purpose. And he often works against the traditional math. There were some twins that were born in the Old Testament, a story of Jacob and Esau. And in this story, these two brothers are born into a very traditional home about how family rights are passed on and who gets the most prime position and lands and so on. So in their culture, the, the elder, the, the firstborn, always was head of the local business for the family, head of the lands. The, the oldest brother always had that position and in, it was a cultural, traditional pass on all the time. So what does God do with his calling? And it's an indication to you and I that's really important. See, God doesn't listen to the way culture calls. Instead, he listens this way. It's what God, by his grace, does. And so he says to the mother, in Romans 9, he says, before the two boys were born, God told Rebekah, the older will serve the younger. That's backward. I, I, you know, I think about a guy by the name of Nick Vujicic, and I hope I got his name. I always have trouble with his last name. He's the guy that has really no, you know, like he was born with no legs, no arms, and yet this guy's traveled the world. He has influenced millions and millions of people. Continues to to this day. See, God had called him. He's one of the great proponents, by the way, of, of saying, no, every child needs to be born. Because in this day and world, he would not have been born. But he has changed the world. It's backwards. He shouldn't. He's lacking what would be even just normal things. What is it about God's call that breaks all the rules? It's called grace. You know, when I was 12, I was fortunate that I kind of got an indication into what God was going to have with my life. I grew up in a business family. And in that business family, um, you know, I mean, obviously it's made up of uh, entrepreneur thinking and going at things and taking on challenges and building things. But at 12, I got a different direction. It was, it was an impartation. It was a time with God where, where there was something where God made it very plain. Hey, Jacob, what you would think is first in your life? No, I want this. What does that do? I didn't know all of the different things that were going to happen or how it would come about. I had only this 
little window of moment in time where there was a different direction seemingly set for my life, the way that I would view. Uh, I knew there that God had a claim on my life. I'm not just saved, I'm called, and this is, was his purpose, and he's going to do this. But you are in the same boat as me. Your call is unique. You're going to do many jobs in your life. I did a lot of jobs throughout my working uh, life in the early, early days and, and, and while doing the college seminary stuff and all of that. I mean, work, work, work. But that wasn't my calling. You have a calling that's unique to you too. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which, which by the way, is your purpose. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. In advance. In advance. You know that word in there when it talks about workmanship? You are, we are God's workmanship. That word in the Bible in the Greek is the word poema. It's, a, it's where we get the word poem from. So it, you could translate that, as, that portion and say, you are God's poem. You are God's work of art. You are his craftsmanship. You are his workmanship. In fact, it, it is even uh, translated this way in certain translations. You are God's masterpiece. It's powerful to think of us, ourselves in this way. But these are gifts of grace. What you're going to put on the canvas, God has already put in you. He's already called you to this. The third thing that we've got to really get at the base of understanding calling is that God chose my calling before I was born. First, we have to start with this idea. God chose it, you don't. God, God has chosen this purpose. God has chosen your call and said, this is what I want you to do. We see this all through the Bible. We see it in, in people that are called and saying, oh, you're going to do this for me. Peter, you're going to do this. Moses, you're going to do this. Daniel, you're going to do this. Galatians 1.15, Paul says, it pleased God in his kindness to choose me and call me. See it? Choose me and call me even before I was born. What undeserved mercy. Hold it, if, he, if I'm chosen and called before I was born, then there's something about right now that God already knows every choice, everything I'm going to do. He understands my whole journey from beginning to end. He knows my birth date. He knows my end date when I go to be with him. He understands the whole pattern. There's nothing that misses his eye. And he still, before I was born, chosen, called me. He didn't call me because I got 90%. Good enough. 80%. Or I crushed 50 It's by his grace. And before I was ever born, his voice is already calling me. He has already got his hand on me. Galatians 1.15, beautiful, even before I was born. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. God's purpose, his choice. He chose some things for you. Unbelievable. 
when we start to grasp this. In Isaiah 44, 2, he says, I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. God, you know what I'm going to choose. You know where I'm going to fail. Lord, you already know all of the things that I'm going to do. You know how far off the mark I'm going to live. And yet, you're saying you are my creator and you were in my care even before I was born. I'm in your care. What do we learn from this? It does mean you're not an accident. It does mean he's saying, I am your creator. And he's saying, because of that, you're even in my care before you're ever going to be born. Fourth, another thing we've got to really get clear to understand calling in our life is my sins and my mistakes don't change my call. This is a big one for people. A lot of people have a hard time embracing the word I'm called with their histories. And they look at their histories and they evaluate themselves and they say, oh my gosh, I have lost it all. There is no purpose for me anymore. You know, here's three words I want you to learn from me today and don't forget these words. It doesn't matter. How can I use those three words? Because God already knows your whole life. And he still calls you. It doesn't matter how you messed up on life. It doesn't matter how somebody else messed it up. It doesn't matter how weird it gets. It doesn't matter how difficult it becomes. It doesn't matter about your dumb decisions that you've made in the past. It doesn't matter. It's just that God's call on your life was given before you were born. He already is it. You are, you are in his nurture and care. And it's by his grace that you have this calling on your life. And the best thing that you can do is take this into your current day. It doesn't matter because that's going to be thrown at you over and over again by your inside voice and potentially by other outside voices. And the enemy will make it his favorite mantra to bring to you that it does matter. No, because you are totally known before you ever breathe. And he calls you. This is a hard treadmill for us to get off of, but we've got to get off of it. Otherwise, you'll have problems engaging in embracing this idea that I am called. See, we must understand that God is not controlled by our bad. And he can take whatever was intended for bad and he turns it for good. We already read that in Romans 1.8. Isn't it beautiful? I mean, we're talking about something where God is saying, it doesn't matter. I know all of it. I I, I haven't missed anything in your life. Right now, it doesn't matter. 1 Timothy 1, Paul says this, by calling me into his service, Jesus has judged me trustworthy, even though I used to be a blasphemer and a persecutor and contemptuous. Mercy, however was shown me because while I lacked faith, I acted in ignorance. You know that Paul's ministry 
affected millions and continues to affect billions. God took somebody who was responsible for the murder of people by placing them into prison. He is responsible for some huge injustices in this planet. And he takes them, knocks them over off of a horse on the road and says, this part of your life is done, man. This is not what it is. It's changing today. Did God know all along? Of course. Can you imagine the wrestle he might have had in the years following? When he's preaching the gospel and there are some relatives of people that are there even cheering him on and saying, amen, Paul, you got to preach that. Preach the good news of Jesus, Paul. But these are the relatives of people he himself put into prison and they lost their lives. Can you imagine if Paul based it on his own history and his own performance? How could he do that? He got grace. He understood he had nothing given to him but by the grace of God. He understood that he had been called by God. See, he knew God had no plan B. He knew that no matter how bad he had messed it up, that plan B could, was not available. There was no plan B. It's all part of plan A because God takes all of the worst and turns it to the best and it becomes something of humility and power and clarity in life for others. I asked that a certain man's testimony be prepared for you by video. The full testimony would be amazing. But I, I got a short version for you of testimony by Jim Cozy. Our media team put it together for you this week. And enjoy this and be thinking this, these three words as you listen to this testimony. It doesn't matter. I'm Jim Cozy. I'm, what am I? I'm a Christian. That's, that's probably first and foremost in my life. I think purpose in my past, it was always that elusive thing that I could never figure out what my purpose was. I was always in this avoiding rejection and just looking for acceptance and for love uh, throughout my whole life. And it always seemed to come up short because I was always evaluating it on uh, what I was receiving. It doesn't matter how much acceptance you get, you know, like from the outside world. Uh, if, if I believed that I, as a, I was a wrong person, I was a bad person, I was inept, inadequate, uh, it didn't matter what anybody or how much I was accepted by anybody else or any group. Uh, I knew the truth, you know. I wasn't willing at that point in time in my life to accept any other truth. And, and my solution to that absolutely soul-crushing idea that I am worthless and I have no purpose and I'm doing nobody any good in this world was to resort to running, escaping in the form of drugs, alcohol, um, anything I can get my hands off to make me not feel, to try to just conjure or craft a feeling or just purely just to numb so I didn't have to deal with it. I, I remember always so frequently wishing that I didn't care, that I could stop caring and I could just commit to this debauchery uh, and I was going to make sure that I 
fulfilled that prophecy that I made that the world is done with me, that they, it didn't need me. Um, and be better off probably without me around. I don't think I'd ever say that I made the decision one day to, to quit running, maybe. Um, but a wall was thrown up. Like, I'll never forget. There was a moment, it was like QE2 hospital. It was 4 a.m. Uh, I don't remember much, but I do remember the feeling of the IV in my arm. Uh, I do remember the flooding in of memories, uh, the sirens, the, like the, the cop lights, the DUI, um, the look of my family doctor's face as he was the attending physician in the ER that night, looking at me with a look of sheer terror and fear and not understanding and um, pity. The moment that I can, that really rings true to me as a turning point in my life is, is I remember uh, my wife, when we had just met, we were sitting on our couch and uh, she asked if I ever went to church and I'm like, oh, no, I, I, I couldn't go into church, right? I'd, I'd start on fire. God doesn't want to know me. I have nothing to offer to him. I have no purpose to him and, and I don't deserve his grace, I don't deserve his love. And, and her answer just changed my life. And her answer was simple. It's like, well, none of us do. And it's, a, but it's a gift and we just need to accept it. And I think in that moment, I, I accepted that gift. It was all of a sudden not about me. And that's what's rang true through my recovery uh, and in life and is just making it not about me. My purpose is to serve. It's to ask and it's to do what God commands me to do. It's only when I look back, you know, over this last three years on how much my life has changed and for the better. And it, and it wasn't making decisions, you know, to improve my life. It was like, no, I'm going to serve at church. I'm going to start greeting. I'm going to help with fun Friday nights. I'm going to chair a meeting. I'm going to sponsor. I am going to reach out to people. I'm going to talk. I'm going to breathe uh, light into all those areas of my life that I was so ashamed of that I didn't want anyone to see. The best way it was ever explained to me is, is that God doesn't go anywhere. He stays right where he is. He's never not loved me. He's never abandoned me. He's just very patient and we can go very far away from him. And, and, but the, you know, his grace is everlasting and it is always available to us and it's a gift and it doesn't matter if you feel that you deserve a better life um, he'll, he will love you when you can't love yourself <clears throat> thank you Jim no plan B just plan A before you were ever born plan A saved and called you can't separate them no Christian sitting in this room can at this moment say well I'm saved but you know the call is for the preacher no way it's for all we all have a call upon our lives and it's a much deeper form of understanding purpose 
Now, the fifth thing we need to learn about this kind of thing with God's calling so we get depth on it is that my calling is permanent. Uh, it, it, the Bible makes it very plain that God doesn't call and then, well, I'll give up on you. God doesn't call and see if you get, a, get 100% and then, yeah, great, okay, let's keep moving forward. God's call and his purpose is always awaiting you and your growth and your character and your desire for forward movement, but most, more than anything else, your surrender. But here's the facts. Your calling cannot be taken away from you. It's always there. Satan can't take it away from you. You can't take your calling away from you. Other people can't take your calling away from you. And God won't. Romans eleven twenty nine says, God's gifts and his calling are irrevocable. You know that word. It can't be changed. It's irrevocable. So you can't even run from your calling and say, I don't want it anymore. Don't bug me about this, God. He'll just say, I'm never revoking my calling. God, you just don't get it. I don't even want it. You got it. And I ain't changing it. Number six, we need to learn this, that my calling is connected to others. Listen to this phrase, very important phrase. Calling and community go together. Your calling is never not just only about you. It's never about you. So it's always going to be about others. But even how you carry it out is that my calling has to have connection to others. You have to be in community to carry out your calling when you think you can just go do your calling. You may even be have people around you, but there are you know, people that just kind of, well, I'll just go do it and that'll be my calling and I'll just, you can't do your calling like that. If it's God's calling on your life, it requires community. He's very plain about this. He tells us this directly right up in the scriptures. Romans 14, 7, it says, none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. You have got to be connected. You've got to be connected through a church family. Ephesians 4, 4 says, we are all one body. We have the same spirit. So look at that. We have one body, we have the same spirit, and we have all been called to the same glorious future hope. He's saying, you know, very simply, let me put it this way to you, is that the eye cannot carry out its calling without the rest of the body. And you cannot carry out your calling without community. And that community is his church expressed in the local church as it has been for 2,000 years. Hebrews 3, 1 says, brothers and sisters, you are holy partners in a heavenly calling. He's talking to the church there and he's saying, hey, as brothers and sisters, you are holy partners in a heavenly calling. You think about that. That we are partners. You need us to fulfill your God calling. We need you. 
Number seven, we need to get this right, that God empowers what he calls me to do. Oftentimes we're looking for God's power in our life for a lot of different things. But here's one thing to figure about the, out about the flow of God's power is that God's power always follows what he calls us to do. He doesn't send us out there to do things without his power being there. And that's why you can have all kinds of stories in the Bible about the weak being used for amazing things because he empowered them. The most famous of all would be a, a, a lad named David who takes out a Goliath because God empowers what he calls us to do. You don't feel powered up in your callings? Maybe you have to check your calling because God will always empower his calling. Sometimes we're saying, God, give me power to do my calling. Give me power to do my thing. God, give me power because I want to do it this way. And God is saying, hold it, my calling is taking you this way, not this way. If you're going to be a prodigal, you're going to go use up the Father's things that he blesses you with and have nothing left. Or you can take what the Father gives you and you can be empowered and, and resourced for what he would have you do. God empowers. He's going to enable me. He's going to equip me. He's going to strengthen me. He's going to give me the abilities I need. God would never ask me to do anything in my life that he doesn't give me the power to do. So how do I then give my life? I surrender, I commit. I say it is your calling. I want to serve your calling. I don't want to serve my calling. I don't, I don't want to go out there and make it about me because it can't be about me because if I make it about me, I can't leave your calling. They don't go the same way. It can look like it. People might cheer me on, but the fact is it's not your calling. And I don't want to sit back in the hovel of my history and say, I am ruined. I've got no way and no value to go forward with. no. I can instead know that God's calling is irrevocable and I surrender to it and I commit to it. And then God commits his resources to your commitment. Ephesians 4.1 says, I urge you to live the life to which God called you. Notice he said life, live the life. This is a lifestyle. It's not like one thing. We often think of the calling only as what, what one thing do I do? There isn't one thing. There's a life to be lived. A called life. Where he's working out his calling in your life and through your life as you have surrendered and make the appropriate commitments and live them out. Then God powers it up. Second Thessalonians 1 says, this is why we always pray for you, asking our God to help you. That means to empower you. Live the kind of life he called you to live. We pray that with his power, God will help you do the good things you want and perform the works that come from your faith. First Thessalonians 5 says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. There's one last thing you've got to learn about this so that you can go deeper with this idea of being saved and called. There's a prize for living out my calling. When they were called that morning on that, that, 
very kind of surprise kind of thing. They would have had some whispers maybe by there that God had bigger things for them. They wouldn't have had any definitive idea how that would get fleshed out. Here they are, business people, sitting and doing their normal routine of business on the seashore and really enjoying the life that they've gotten. They already have a faith in God. They've got a rich life going on. And Jesus comes along and says, let go of your nets. Put them down. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. By doing that, they entered into a journey with God that doesn't end here but carries on to a reward that they are welcomed home as faithful servants, yes, with all of their messes, that God took all of the things that messed up and kept filling it into plan A and making it work and, and making it beautiful, that he just does that. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, Paul wrote. He's saying, i just continuing to press toward the goal to win the prize. What is he saying? He's saying that this journey that I'm on ends up in a reward, and I am going to finish the calling. I am finishing this calling. Now, some of you are thinking, you know, I've already wasted a lot of time. Paul wasted a lot of his life. Peter didn't really dive into the big world of his calling until that day when Jesus said, come follow me. You'll find Moses, who didn't really get a clue about what was really to happen until he's 80. You're going to find all kinds of stories that tell you that the starting point in its time doesn't matter. What matters is that you enter Plan A, full-heartedly, surrenderedly, full commitment on display, and you press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called you heavenward in Christ Jesus. You are called heavenward. The prize is that you get to share in everything that God has in heaven. You get to share in his kingdom. You get to share in his glory. You get to share in his power. That word share, share. He's sharing all of this with his, with his people. He's saying... I am going to reward you for carrying up my calling. I've saved and called you. And you say, but my, my life doesn't seem to have actually changed a whole lot of lives. You can't measure your life. When we think we can measure it, we will be wrong and drastically wrong. We won't even be close. If our calling is fulfilled through community and the life of what you bring to that body is flowing through the rest of the body, you are a part of this whole faithfulness idea and the reward that comes. You are a part of all of the work of God. You are not just one little thing that's performed your own little thing out over here. You are connected to the big flow of God. You become a part of the big deal. And that means you get to share in his power, in his glory, in his kingdom. It is people that think somehow only individually on this they get into trouble on this idea. What you do and what you say enriches, energizes, releases, it helps, it stands behind, it stands in front, it protects, it nourishes, it does all of the amazing things that God has wanted your calling to work out. Quit trying to measure it.
1 Thessalonians 2.12, live the kind of life that pleases God who calls you to share in his own kingdom and glory. It's a powerful way. When you start to understand calling the way that the Bible teaches that you're saved and you're called, you can't separate them. When you start to understand how powerful that the, the just being faithful to God in his purpose and calling in your life, that if you're willing to take seriously the idea that God is made you not an accident but designed you, that you even before the womb have been called, that you have already been protected and nourished and that he understands every mistake. He doesn't grade you on the idea of saying well you hit a certain mark so now I've got a calling for you or you can now step into your calling no no he is there he has got the plan what you have to do is just a couple different things I surrender I commit when I was 12 God gave me a little window every day since then that window has only functioned for me really clearly on the basis of my surrender and my commitment since that's always been a journey of interest. But I do know this. That if I just stay, as Paul is saying, on track, if I continue to serve in the way that I know that I am, if I continue to surrender the life that I've been given, recognizing I am not my own, I am bought with a price, if I recognize that it's not about me, if I recognize that this is something that I get to be a part of and I just play whatever role he wants, that through this, God's work gets done, his purposes are advanced, and I get rewarded. And my life has had meaning before I took a breath. Would you stand with me, please? Folks, we are called. You've been saved and called. It's, it's, it's amazing. He's created you. And he's created you for his purpose. And he's got purpose, which is found in your calling. I would ask that you contemplate the position of your life in the face that you are called, not that looking for a call. You've got it. If you're a believer, you have the calling. So you must evaluate your position with that calling because that requires that surrender and that commitment. And there may be some things in your life as we begin this journey together. What on earth am I here for? We're starting to figure out right from square one that simply it requires my surrender and my commitment for his purpose to be brought to the full bear of what he wants to accomplish through my life. It's wonderful. It's also a community thing. It's part of what binds us together. We are actually the work of the Lord doing the work of the Lord. We are his masterpiece, a part of his masterpieces that he is painting. And we get to join him one day and be rewarded. We had that song today. I had requested that song, Just Give Me Jesus. Because at the end of life,
passiert? We have a couple families mourning this week. They've been through loss. Our hearts go out to you. But for us, it's also a reminder every day that life is precious. The gift of God in and through us is powerful and precious and that we have a calling. We are here for the calling and the purpose of God. And when you figure it out more deeply, everything in your life becomes empowered more. You enter into a life where there is a deeper work of meaning and purpose in everything that you live out. Fathers, we bow our heads before you. I pray that in our hearts there would just be this, a visit to, in the face of our calling that we've received as believers in Jesus Christ, that we take a look at that, and Lord, we 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 decide whether if we if our surrender, we can't measure, Lord, the impact, but Lord, we can measure our surrender. We can measure our commitment, Lord. Are, are we people of of just words, or is it really something that's hit our life? Is the surrender something really real to a cost-paying level? Father, we want in this life to fulfill the best that you've got. And I pray in many hearts around this room and online, those of you online, do a quick little gut check here. Am I running from it? Am I ignoring it? Or is it something that I, I, I've just learned some things and I'm ready to surrender, I'm ready to commit, and I want to go forward? Get right with God on this. Now, if you're here today, you've never received Christ. You might be watching online too. You've never received Christ as your Savior. He's got a way to save you from your sins and give you eternal life. And at the same time, his calling is there. And it's been there on your life since before you were born. But you need to be saved so that the calling is released in your life. And that comes because you surrender your life to Christ. You receive that he has paid for your sins. Receive the mercy of God for your sins. And receive the mercy of God which brings calling and purpose to you that he will never change. You do that simply with a statement of faith. Here's, here's a little prayer of faith for you. If you wish, borrow this one, Father in heaven. You've known me before I ever breathed a breath. In the womb, you already have had your hand upon my life. You have even started to provide care in there. And today, you have put me in a place to make a decision. Lord, I want to receive your mercy and your grace that's paid for by your son, Jesus, on the cross. Forgive my sins. I need that mercy. And Lord, at the same time, I receive your calling because you save and call me at the same time. Because Lord, I want my life to serve you and I want to live for the big things and I thank you that I am your poem and your masterpiece. 
Help me to be a part of yours now. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.